We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So here we are with the Guilty as Charged podcast. I want to welcome Stephen and Alex onto the podcast. Thank you guys so much for taking time out of your busy schedules. Everybody, make sure you go check out the Guilty as Charged podcast. And uh, how you guys doing out there? West Coast time, man. You're throwing off the uh, the normies out here with, with the late upload on this podcast tonight. But uh, thanks for joining us regardless. Yeah, well, uh, we're actually on two different coasts. Alex is doing uh, med school in the Caribbean, so he's actually four hours ahead of me. Oh. Uh, so it creates quite the challenge for the podcast time sometimes, especially you know, like when the Chargers were on Sunday Night Football, Alex was up until like 2.33 in the morning recording with us. But uh, yeah, man, happy to be here. Yeah, for sure. So this is a big week for Chargers for multiple reasons. Um, number one, you got just a big game with big playoff implications mm-hmm. uh, against the Bengals this week. So I want to talk a little bit about that. Uh, they're also coming off maybe their worst game of the year. I don't know, probably up there. Uh, and then it's also the big Burrow versus Herbert game. So I want to kind of just reflect in, upon all that and look forward a little bit. So first off, I, I want to ask you guys kind of what do you think went wrong against the Broncos, uh, mainly offensively, but both sides of the ball, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, I think you could look at a lot of things. Um, really the offense just I felt like there was a point where they just got too methodical on certain drives um Herbert was not his best obviously you know throwing the interception to Sertan obviously the other one that went to Sertan went off Beckler's hands but he threw probably five more you know interceptable passes that weren't caught uh one that you know went right through Justin Simmons hands unfortunately so um wasn't the best day for him And yeah, they just felt, it felt like it was very hard to kind of just get moving. And, you know, the problem with the defense right now, particularly their third down defense is they're just kind of on the field for so long. um, And then the defense gets, you know, weathered down because they can't defend the run. Um, And frankly, in the last month, they haven't been that great defending the pass either. So then it just creates these situations where the offense has less time to work with. Uh, particularly in the first half against the Broncos. And, you know, then the defense is just kind of gassed by the end of the game, which uh, ends in that, I think it was Javante Williams touchdown. And then of course they finished the game on the Sertan pick six, really. Um, So there's a lot of things, but I think some of the problems that they have now were evident in those first five weeks of the season where they were four and one, 
but now I think they've really come out to, you know, they don't really have the high-end talent right now to overcome some of those problems because of all the injuries. Um, the offensive line is now banged up. So I think it's really just kind of been a snowball effect these last four or five weeks, unfortunately. Yeah. So just to kind of, you know, jump on and add into that, I think, you know, so the chargers have uh, three backups in along the offensive line on Sunday um, and two of the players, you know, uh, you know, obviously there's pro football focus who charts pressures, right? I chart my own pressures. Um, Senio Calamente was the left guard who uh, came in for Matt Filer. Uh, Matt Filer has been really, really good for the Chargers. He's not like a, a, an elite guard by any means, but he's an above average, respectable starter. And yeah, I just uh, threw my Pro Bowl vote in for Matt Filer, by the way, on the, let's go. On the channel the other day. Let's go. I love <laughs> to see it. Yeah, um, I, I think like he's been a great addition. You know, he, he's exceeded even my expectations and I was really high on, on the signing. But uh, Senio Calamente, I, I charted him for 10 pressures allowed against the Broncos and the Broncos weren't even, you know, it wasn't like Derek Shelby was and Draymond Jones were torching him. It was McTelvin Aguim, uh, and number 95, who I, I don't even remember his own name. So Senio Calamente had a rough, rough game. Michael Schofield is the other guard who uh, replaced Ode Abushi he had a rough game. So, you know, it just really compounded all the issues that they've had because Alex mentions, you know, there's such a rhythmic and methodical offense right now, but when you have such poor guard play, you can't get in that rhythm. And so it just felt like Herbert was forcing things. The offensive coordinator, Joe Lombardi was forcing things. Everybody was just really on edge. And so uh, because they are so methodical and because the defense can't get off, the field on third downs you know the margins on offense are so thin that when Justin Herbert's not playing at an MVP top five quarterback level this is what you get you get 13 points against the Broncos who frankly are not that good of a defense yeah one thing that really well it was really actually three things that stood out to me from this game number one was just the run defense which you know, it's been a problem all year, man. It's been, it's been all year. Although, I mean, it felt like last year was a little better, but it feels like it's been a problem since, you know, about 2015. Um, but yeah, that was an obvious issue. And I think you look at this roster, it's just like, you, you might just have to live with that a little bit. I think they have struggled uh, against those more run heavy teams. Um, so that's obviously something they got to clean up in general, but the offense was just super frustrating. And I actually watched, and this will transition at some point well into a conversation about Burrow, but I just happened to watch back to back between Bengals, Steelers and Chargers, Broncos. And it just hit me. I was like, the Chargers don't do e like they don't set up the easy stuff. It's there's not, especially in this game, there's not a lot of screens. They weren't running the ball well. So it's basically either quick game with Herbert or, you know, set up these beautiful, like outside the numbers, deep shots. And I know you guys are all very frustrated with your offensive coordinator. So for me, that, that feels like where they have a lot of room to improve is just integrating some of the more simple stuff um, to create more, you know, third and shorts and, and easier stuff like that. Um, and that really stood out in that Broncos game. And I guess my last question here is like, do you feel like the the problems in that Broncos game are the things that have frustrated you consistently throughout the season, or are there other concerns uh, on top of that? And to piggyback off of that, what has really impressed you this season 
from the Chargers that you maybe weren't expecting coming into the year? Yeah, I think yeah. it's some of the things. Yeah. Sorry, Alex. Um, yeah, I think some of the same things that you're mentioning, though, like I'm not necessarily frustrated with Joe Lombardi. Like we always get people in, in our chats every single day, like we need to fire Joe Lombardi. Like I, I'm not there. You know, it's the first year that they're bringing this offense together and they are they are doing a lot of good things when things are going right. It's just that for me, the most frustrating part of this coaching staff is that when things go to shit, they have no adjustments. You know, there's no creative backup plan to like get things going. And so, you know, you can, you can listen to a bunch of different people talk about like the offensive line struggles and what to do with that. And whenever the offensive line is struggling or whenever Herbert is struggling, the answer is always, okay, I'm going to go back to the Drew Brees quick passing game because that's what I know best. Like that's what Joe Lombardi is most comfortable with when the offense is, is doing really well. Like you see a lot of creative RPO passing concepts. You see a lot of end arounds. You see a good amount of downfield uh, drive concepts that are really fun to watch. But when things are not going well, it's okay. Here's, you know, this slant out concept for the 17th time today. So mm-hmm. that to me is like the frustrating part when they're in rhythm. Like if you go back and watch the Eagles game and you watch the Eagles tape, the offense looked awesome like from from snap to from snap to finish of the game same thing with the Steelers but then you click on the Patriots tape and you click on the Broncos tape and you're just like this offense is incredibly boring there's no innovation there's no creativity to make things easier for the offensive line and so that really has been my biggest thing with this coaching staff I mean they're all relatively young it's the first year together but they they cannot problem solve in a game to save their lives yeah, I think that's that's pretty evident. Was there yeah, – no, go, go ahead, Alex. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, kind of following up that point, when we talk about sort of the things that we don't like about this offense, I think it's that sort of everything does require timing, right? Like there are a lot of like slant routes, and I think something that compounds that is you have a player like Mike Williams who in his first year was with the Chargers was just used as, okay, go get the jump ball, right? Like that was his pretty much whole role in the team. And now, you know, Joe Lombardi comes in with this idea of like, okay, we can just basically make this guy, Michael Thomas, right. You know, he'll just run the slant routes. He'll, you know, do, you know, kind of develop that more route, you know, complex route tree. Um, And in that, for those first few games, it was like, okay, this is popping, right. You know, he, you know, had like 300 yards in the first four games or something, you know, he was going crazy. Um, But recently it slowed down. The drops have kind of picked up. So I think it's a combination of that. I mean, the drops have picked up for the whole team. Unfortunately, there are 29 or 30 drops at this point. Um, And so I think when you have players like Jared Cook, you know, who's used to the same system, but hasn't always had the most surefire hands, Um, you know, you have Mike Williams in that regard as well. Now Austin Eckler is dropping balls. I think it is sort of like we said, a snowball effect. And then I think what you saw really in the Broncos game is compounding that with offensive line injuries and the injuries they've been dealing with. Um, And that's kind of, to me, why it looked like their worst offensive effort of the season. Yeah. Like I think what Alex is hinting at too, is like there, there are a lot of issues with the offense in general. Right. But a lot of it is personnel. Like, you know, so the Chargers have a ton of cast base. They have 10 draft picks next year. So that's why we're kind of like patient with this offense because you know they don't have a second running back they can trust they they had Edo Smith on a visit today like no one knows what to expect there offensive line is banged up you have 30 drops in 11 games which is very uncharacteristic for you know the, the Chargers in general over the past few years so 
there's a lot of contributing factors, which of course makes things, you know, more difficult for an offensive coordinator. Yeah. And that's very consistent with kind of where I'm at with the chargers. Like I had them, he had them nine, eight, and I gave him a tie coming into the year. I think I had him nine, eight, and one. I was like, if anyone's going to tie, it's going to be the freaking Chargers, man. Um, but I was like, I think they're going to be really good. I don't think they're going to be the, the team that they can be in two or three years from now. I think they have and had some pretty clear warts on, on the roster. Like they have these amazing high end players, but, right. you know, they, they just have a lot of holes to fill. So I think you're, you see it all the time. Like you, fans want, it to happen now we saw with Carolina this year Cardinals yeah. had it a little bit last year like just need to you know give some of these you know younger teams a little bit more time and I, I do think the Chargers are very much in the playoff mix but it's there's a lot of good there too it's not like you know right right been, I've been kind of pushing this in a negative direction which you know there's a lot of good there too and I think when you see it the chemistry that herbert has with mike williams i think is very promising we'll see if they ultimately extend him um but like herbert's ability outside the numbers it's insane like 20 plus yard, like those throws that he makes you just you can't defend that area of the field especially when you develop the timing routes on comebacks and just well-placed like back shoulders uh then you look at like what he's done and very small sample size with like donald parham like Maybe I'm getting ahead of myself with Parham, but I don't know. I, I feel like this is just kind of the calm before the storm and they're, they're doing a lot of learning and uh, yeah, they're, they're going to, they're going to be really, really good for a long time. I think. Um, yeah. So I, go ahead. I think there's a lot of uh, positive, you know, like you said, <laughs> we were just talking about the negative. Yeah. Cause you know, we're coming off of a two and three month that was, you know, a little grading at times, but I mean, yeah. you have Justin Herbert, you have Keenan Allen, uh, you have Austin Eckler, who's, you know, one of three running backs with 10 touchdowns from scrimmage and a thousand scrimmage yards, you know, so he's been going crazy, um, you know, and, you know, when Joey Bosa is is healthy, when Derwin James is healthy, like having him back this year has been huge, you know, yeah. probably the best safety in the league. So like, there's obviously like positive things to, to talk about. And, you know, if they have time left, like there's, you know, six games and if you beat the Bengals, you know, you put yourself in a position to kind of get into clinching that wild card. So, I mean, I think the, the, the direction is up for sure. Yeah. This would be a very different tone if you, we were having this conversation last week as right. opposed to this yeah. week. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Uh, so now that you've brought up the Bengals, let's um, let's talk about, I think the, I had a tweet that maybe spurred this whole conversation that I, yes. you know, didn't know I was maybe provoking you guys when I did it, but uh, I guess I, I should have known, but yeah, I, I said that uh, I think there's a chance this weekend that we kind of shift back a little bit towards, okay, maybe Burrow's better than Justin Herbert. Now I want to preface this by saying that you're in good position. If you have either of those guys, they're both, 100%. I think both, um, you know, you look five, seven years from now, those guys will probably both be top five, seven quarterbacks. Um, but I just want to talk a little bit about like comparing the two players and just kind of get your sense maybe of like what maybe criticisms you have of Herbert, what positive things there are. But from, from my perspective, I see Herbert as, you know, kind of, I don't want to say a boomer bust passer because he does some of the quick game stuff very well. But if you're comparing him to Joe Burrow, I do see a little bit more like quick twitch, 
whether that's the movement in the pocket, a little bit more um, just better reactions after like after the snap, that post snap processor, he just is a little bit more comfortable um, navigating those tough situations. And it's tough because I think Herbert is extending plays. He makes really good plays out of out of, you know, um, rhythm. But I watched that Broncos game a couple of times. It's like he gets to his second read a little bit too slow or he is you know, scrambling a little bit too early or the pocket presence just a little bit off. Whereas Burrow, it just feels very like bang, 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 bang. Mm-hmm. One thing I will say about Burrow is he does make a little, he makes a few more like stupid throws than Herbert does. <laughs> so it's not like, it's like easy to say that Burrow is just smarter than Herbert. It's just in a little bit different way. Um, so yeah. What, what do you guys think about my statement that Burrow could be viewed as a better quarterback than Herbert? Well, I think, you know, depending on who you ask, right? Like if you watch Good Morning Football America, you know, uh, you know, a certain host on there loves Joe Burrow for his swagger and his attitude. And like, that's the reason why he likes Joe Burrow more. And I'm like, okay, like that's your prerogative. That's your style, like whatever. But I think when it comes to like on the field, I think your assessment that Joe Burrow is a little more comfortable with the mental side of things right now is, is fair. And I think part of that is obviously, you know, that he's been in the same system for two years. They did, they brought in a lot of concepts from his LSU days. He has his former number one receiver on his team. So I think it's fair. I think it's a fair assessment to say that Joe Burrow is better at the mental side of things. You know, he does process much quicker. Uh, you know, that was one of my favorite things about grading him in the draft process was just how quickly he could process and read through things and, and, and problem solve. Um, and so that's been a bit of a work in progress through uh, Justin Herbert's career so far, I would say. Um, I know that he was fantastic under pressure as a rookie this year. That's kind of come back to the norm as that statistic normally tends to do. Um, but I think, you know, he's generally very poised under the pocket and very poised under, under pressure. And the thing about Justin Herbert is, is that he doesn't have a ton of turnover worthy plays when under pressure. I think it's like two or three right now, if I'm not mistaken. So that's the good thing, like the passer rating and, and the numbers and things like that, you know, those will come and go. But uh, generally speaking, I feel like Herbert is very poised under pressure. And like you said, it's just that arm talent. And so could we maybe get there this weekend with people kind of crowning Joe Burrow? I think that's going to be natural because I think the, the Bengals are going to win. I'm not too comfortable <laughs> or confident this week. Um, but I just think once the mental side of things really catches up for Justin Herbert, then, I mean, he's got every single tool you could possibly want. We saw last week he should have had 100 yards rushing. So, to me, like, that's just where we're at. I think Burrow is more head mentally, but Herbert's physical upside is just unmatched in this league. Anything you want to add, Alex? Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I think one of the big differences was coming out of the draft, too. You obviously had Joe Burrow, who, you know, played at LSU, playing the SEC, um, you know, versus Justin Herbert kind of came out less pro ready, I would say, you know, Joe Burrow is also 25, you know, Justin Herbert is 23. So there's kind of an age difference there in terms of when they came out. Um, So I I do think that is, you know, kind of worth mentioning. Uh, So in terms of the processing speed, I do think Justin Herbert kind of will eventually get there, uh, you know, even though if he's a little slower right now. But as Steven said, like, I think the physical tools difference between the two and like what they can do in this league, like I think the ceiling for Joe Burrow is probably top 10 between that top five, top 10 range. 
but I think the ceiling for Justin Herbert is, is kind of top one, right? Like mm-hmm. if he does kind of get that mental side of things, he can throw the ball 60 yards downfield on a you know frozen rope in time, you know, like that's kind of crazy. And, you know, you just don't see many quarterbacks other than Mahomes or Rogers that, that really have those kind of abilities. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I think that just breaking it down between the two, I think Burrow is kind of the more precise passer right now at the moment. Um, and I, you know, he could end up staying that way as well. You, you know, he, he kind of was the number one draft pick for a reason in that regard. Yeah. But I do think like Steven says, the, the intangibles and the physical tools that Justin Herbert has are why, you know, if I'm starting a franchise tomorrow, I'm probably, you know, picking him as, you know, one of the first three quarterbacks, you know, you pick off the board um, along with Allen and Mahomes and, and all those guys. So um, I, I think it's definitely a comparison. And like Steven said, I do think the Bengals are going to win this week because the Chargers are just not in a good place right now. Okay. Um, but, you know, naturally just comparing those two quarterbacks, I do think Justin Herbert just gives you a little bit more of that X factor right now than say uh, Joe Burrow does. So you guys are both for sure. If you're redrafting, you're both taking Herbert above Burrow. Yeah. 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 And I, I'm not even saying one way or the other. I've been saying yeah, like for all sure. year up until, up until that last week. And it's, you know, it's a small sample size of both these guys. It's like, you can have yeah. when they're this early in their, your career, it's only natural. You're going to have a slightly more overreactions. Cause it's like, you know, it's like when a yeah. passer rating can skyrocket in week two, it's like, it's just a smaller sample size. Anyway, well, I, um, I think to, to your point, like if if we're doing a redraft, it's Herbert one, Burrow two. Like, you know, it, it's not like there's this big gap between the two in terms of like redrafting or, or where they're at. I think, you know, I happen to think that Burrow is a fantastic quarterback. I don't have him in the top 10 yet, but I mean, Brady's, well, Brady's probably never going to retire at this point. But I mean, Russell Wilson <laughs> has been bad this year. Josh Allen's kind of regressed a little bit. You know, Aaron's getting up there too. So, you know, it, it could stand to reason that, you know, both of these quarterbacks are, are you know, consensus top 10 guys as soon as next year. So I, I don't think that there's like a huge difference between the two, but I just think, you know, like the physical tools with, with Justin Herbert give him such a higher upside, like Alex was saying. But I, I'm a fan of Joe Burrow. I like watching him play. Um, and I, I definitely can see the argument for why people would prefer him yeah. over Justin Herbert at this point. I think yeah. I was just going to say, I think also two numbers to kind of watch in these two quarterbacks are you have Justin Herbert, who I think is at 1.9% turnover worthy plays right now, Joe Burrow, a little bit higher around Mm -hmm. 3.2. So that's kind of a number to watch and see, you know, how that kind of transgresses. Uh, And then you unfortunately do have Justin Herbert, who's got uh, 8.5 to 9% drop percentage uh, with his receivers right now. So that's something to watch. And Joe Burrow is a little bit lower in that regard. So I could sort of see that kind of evening the field between the two statistically. But uh, yeah, like Steven said, I would uh, definitely do in retrospect, you sort of have Herbert one, Burrow two, and then yeah, two, uh, yeah. unfortunately for him, three. Probably a ways down. Probably a ways down. <laughs> <laughs> a ways down. I'll, I'll, give, I'll give him a little bit of credit. He's been playing better recently. I know because I unfortunately have to watch the Dolphins because I'm considered Florida area. And I hate <laughs> Dolphins, but, you know. Oh, man. Yeah, I, I hope at some point I'll, I'll have a hard answer on that because I really do. I go back and forth. I think I'm higher on Burrow than a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, I just – I think he throws with a certain level of anticipation and uh, he has mm-hmm. a quick wittedness about um, just his approach as a passer that you just don't see. Uh, so 
if Herbert ever gets there, it's amazing. Um, but yeah, they're seriously neck and neck. And just having this conversation, I'm like thinking like those are, that, that's literally our debate. There is the career debate between Rogers and Tom Brady. If you take out right. like, the who wins right. Super Bowls, like Brady's a little bit more. And I'm sort of, I, uh, I'm Rogers sort of, is more yeah, talented. I'm sort of very, yeah. I'm sort of- a very publicly a Rogers person over a Brady person. But <laughs> Me too. Than Ro- yeah, unfortunately, just because he's in Green Bay, you know, Brady's been winning all the Super Bowls and Rogers out here showing his feet everywhere. So, you know, <laughs> I bet I do think he's the more talented one of the two. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, we were talking on our show, like, I mean, of course, from a Chargers fan standpoint, like, I don't feel confident about this game, but from an NFL standpoint, like, this should have been the game that was flexed, right? Like, you have the opportunity to have like this future generational, you know, quarterback debate and it would start in this game. And, you know, I think that's a huge missed opportunity from an NFL standpoint, but like I said, I'm glad that this is just on CBS and not (laughs) Sunday night football. Yeah. It's, it's so frustrating because it's like on the front hand, I get like, it's a business like Denver and Mahomes, like that's, those are the established big markets. Like that's the safe route. Right. But part of the reason, like, like the Bengals and Chargers, like it's a, they're smaller markets, but you give them more primetime games and they play good football. Like you're going to grow the fan base. So it's like, come on, like no one yeah. cares about Teddy Bridgewater getting his ass beat <laughs> by Patrick Mahomes. Like, <laughs> yeah. And, and I also just feel like the NFL is the sport that's sort of like catching up to the fact that, that everything's nationalized now. And like, no one really cares where these teams are. Like, you know, it's just the guys that go out there. Like who cared about the bucks before Giannis got there? <laughs> yeah. <for laughs> like sure. and now the bucks are on prime time all the time. Right. Yep. So I feel like the Bengals can kind of be the same way. So speaking of the, the lesser talented quarterbacks beating, um, well, that was back to the rate the Roger, uh, Rogers Brady debate. I was going to say, <laughs> speaking of lesser, uh, lesser talented quarterbacks beating more talented quarterbacks. You guys both said that you're taking the Bengals this weekend. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I think just starting off with these two teams, like it's really that the offenses are headed in two different directions. Cause I think since he has figured out a lot of things out five of their last six games, they've scored 30 plus points, put up 40 in a couple of those games uh, most recently against Pittsburgh I mean, the Chargers did too, so like mm-hmm. they can kind of figure out their offense at times, but they've only scored 30-plus once uh, in their last six, so that's just sort of the offensive trajectory they're on now. So if you tell me that the Chargers figure their offense out and this turns into a shootout, um, I think either team can win. But I think since he's actually been playing pretty good defense um, recently with some of the guys that they got there. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. The road game, 1 p.m. start time, you know, hasn't – been great for the Chargers this year kind of reminds me a little bit of the Baltimore game unfortunately Mm. um where where they sort of went on the road and had that happen to them uh plus all the injuries that have been piling up so um I'd love to see it but yeah my my big concern with this game is just I'm looking at the secondary matchups and I I think Michael Davis can hold his own against Jamar Chase kind of okay but then I'm looking at you know T Higgins and Tyler Boyd on you know Chris Harris and Tavon Campbell and I do not feel confident in those matchups at all then you got Joe Mixon who's you know yeah sorry to interrupt you there but Mm -hmm. have have the Chargers done any like one-on-one stuff against receivers with Derwin James this year I can't say that I've noticed it because I remember back in like training camp they were having him go one-on-one and like Keenan Allen all the time have they done that at all this year that you've noticed 
Like, could we see Derwin on, on Jamar Chase um, this week? They've only had him play against receivers when Chris Harris has been out. So he missed uh, a couple games early in the season, um, particularly against the Raiders. And and Derwin, it wasn't against receivers, but Derwin covered uh, a lot. Uh, he covered Darren Waller quite a bit in that one. So he, he's played primarily safety, and he will cover receivers, like, on occasion. Um, but, you know, they, they kind of prefer him to be that chess piece in the middle right now. Yeah. Because he actually kind of matches up physically with Jamar. I would love to see that, but I don't think we oh, do. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I was... I'd to, I, yeah, I'd love to see Derwin on Jamar too. It's probably like kind of one of our only hopes. <laughs> on Brandon Staley, make it happen. It's the, yeah. yeah, I'd love to see it. Um, but yeah, and then the big concern in this game is, is Joe Mixon. Because um, he's running like, you know, freight train behind that, you know, Bengals offensive line and the Chargers just have no answers on the run defense right now. So um i think if you can tell me that they like stifle joe mixon to only 100 yards as opposed to 165 <laughs> maybe i feel okay picking them uh but no i i just yeah to me they have too many question marks on defense and now unfortunately a lot of emerging question marks on offense to the point where yeah it just makes them hard to pick this game but of course, it's the NFL and it's the AFC, and I wouldn't be surprised if this turns into a 41-37 game that some one team wins one way or the other on based on some you know coin flip. But uh, it, it's just it's hard for me to pick the Chargers against a team that has the offensive firepower that the Bengals do right now. Yeah, I, to me, there are just there are a few concerns from my perspective, right? Because Matt Filer might play. You know, he was back at practice today. If he plays, I'll feel a little bit more comfortable there. Um, but Trey Hendrickson has been, you know, fantastic for them. I expect him to completely eat Storm Norton alive off of the right side. I, I, Rashawn Slater would hold his own. Like, that's been who he is. Um, but then you have DJ Reader and you have Larry Ogunjobi, and then you have all the linebackers. And so this, if Matt Filer is not playing in this game, Marcus, like, I don't even think the Chargers hit 20 again. Like, I, I think it might be a brutal showing for them um, just because he – his presence changes so much because the depth is just not there. Um, you know, you'd want to talk about one of the things that frustrates me, the Chargers drafted Brandon Hymas to be like the backup guard. And for whatever reason, they refuse to play him. So um, <laughs> we're stuck with Senyo Calamente and Michael Schofield. Um, yeah. And, and then you mentioned, you know, on the defensive side of things, Asante Samuel Jr. is in concussion protocol. If he were playing, I would feel again, a little bit more comfortable there but he's probably not. And so like Alex said, I think Michael Davis is, is capable of holding his own, you know, against uh, a Jamar chase or T Higgins, whoever they kind of match him up with. But Chris Harris has been so bad this year. Like I, <laughs> we've ranted about him quite a bit on our show. Um, Tavon Campbell, former CFL corner is their other corner and he's been very up and down as well. So you've got arguably the best trio of receivers, or at least, you know, up there, going up against a banged up secondary. And then you've got a great defensive line going up against a banged up chargers offensive line. So I just don't feel good about this conversation. And again, if Matt Filer plays, they'll probably hit 20, maybe 24 if we're lucky, but if Matt Filer doesn't play, I don't even see how they get to like 17. Mm -hmm. Well, I was just checking. There is one saving grace here. Trey <laughs> Hendrickson has played 505 snaps this season he has only lined up on the left side five of those snaps. So he we'll see what the Bengals do there. Cause I agree. He would, he would be a, that would be <laughs> advantageous because 
yeah. you know, you, I, I'm always a guy like put your best pass rusher on their liability, especially when it's as big of a right. difference. Yes. Um, but maybe he's uh, not comfortable on that side. So that, that could help slow down the pass rush a little bit. There we go. Um, yeah, man. Bengals are, Bengals are really tough right now. I just put them in my, my like could win the Super Bowl tier at number 10. Hmm. And uh, yeah, they're just, they're playing really good football. And I think they match up pretty well against the chargers for basically every reason you guys just said. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, I also would, expect the Bengals to win here but I I, I don't think um, we're gonna get that defining like oh Joe Burrow was so much better than Justin Herbert in this game either I, you know I, uh, I mean we've we've seen the last couple of weeks right like the Bengals have really leaned into Joe Mixon and, and running the ball and you know it, it makes sense you're you know you're increasing Joe Burrow's efficiency you're letting you're taking a bunch of pressure off of him um, and the Steelers run defense is like at least good like they're I feel like they're at least league average and so the Chargers, you know, they're worse in the league. They've improved a little bit uh, since the bye week, but they're still the worst in the league. So, you know, I like Alex said, if Joe Mixon gets under 150, I probably would be like, okay, good job, defense. Like, that's where we're at right now. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, you know, if you put Burrow on the Chargers and put Herbert on the Bengals in this game, like that. That would only accentuate me picking the Bengals. Like, it, you know, I, I really don't even think this game is kind of about the quarterbacks. I hope it does turn into like that kind of style of shootout. But uh, yeah, I just don't think the Chargers are that equipped to handle that right now. But uh, yeah, as far as the Burrow Herbert debate, um, yeah, I think Joe Burrow should become the best Joe on his team first. And then we can debate, you know, whether he's the best quarterback between the two. What, uh, Justin Jones isn't the best? Justin on the well, on the you know, well, Alex thinks he is. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's my joke because I, I love Justin Jones, but uh, yeah, he, he's been yeah, good he's, lately, man. He's, he stands out, yeah, yeah. Uh, and he's, he's hilarious, like him, man. <laughs> no, no, the, the defensive line has been really frustrating, uh, this year. You know, Jones has been hurt, Linbaugh has COVID right now, Linbaugh Joseph, that is. Uh, Jerry Tillery, their first former first round pick, has been basically awful all year long and they refuse to bench him so uh yeah. yeah it's been it's not been fun like their their best run defense has come when they move joey bosa inside and they only do that like three or four times a game at this point because they obviously want him you know on the edge that's what that's why you're paying him um yeah. but the interior defensive line i i expect it to be like completely overhauled in the offseason yeah, yeah they're, they're, I mean, they get a lot of work. To their do. best, their, their best round defense is when Justin Herbert uh, throws for 400 yards and gets up two touchdowns <laughs> quickly. That's that's how yes. you run the yep. run with the Chargers. <laughs> All right, well, thank you so much, you guys, for for coming on. It was a ton of fun, and uh, I'm sorry I didn't throw the Derwin jersey on for this one, but uh, <laughs> enjoy the enjoy your weekends. And yeah, thanks for coming on. Anything else you guys want to say before we get out of here? No, uh, Derwin James, best safety in the league, but that's it for me. Oh, thanks for having us on, man. Yeah, yeah thanks, Marcus. We appreciate it. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.